Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Hey, so I found a, a meme on Facebook that I want to share with you guys. Uh, it says, so I got on my bathroom scale this morning, and let me tell you, the full armor of God is heavy. Hallelujah. <laughs> so... That's how my New Year's resolution's going. Well, seriously, thank you for being here tonight, uh, and thank you if you're watching along with us online. If we have not yet had the honor of meeting, my name is Zach Gammon, and I am uh, excited to be here with you tonight. It's our first, first Truth and Grace service of 2022, and since it's a new year, I know that a lot of us are thinking about some of those New Year's resolutions. And so... This week I went online and I found a, a, a list of five resolutions that I think that we can actually keep, okay? And so here they are. It's to read fewer books, to gain 30 pounds, to eat out more and quit taking lunch to work, to spend more time wasted on Facebook, and to buy more crap on Amazon. And I am here to tell you that I was successful at every single one of those things in 2021. But that really doesn't work. That doesn't help anybody. So then I went on Facebook, and I asked some of my friends what some of their resolutions were, and I got, like, the typical responses. You know, I want to eat healthy, and I want to lose weight, and I want to, you know, grow deeper in my study and all these things. Roger actually commented and said that his resolution was to grow more hair and get better looking. Um, and so, listen, like, I know that our God is a God of miracles, and he can do anything, but we really need to pray for that resolution. Like, God might need some extra help with that, so... Uh, we'll all we'll all get together and, and form a prayer circle around him uh, after service. But at any rate, in all sincerity, it is the time of year that we're thinking about resolutions and and whatnot. And it really this time of year, we all talk about ways to to better ourselves. But the problem with a lot of the responses that I saw and the things that I found online is that really the only thing that people talked about was how they intended to better themselves from their own perspective. It really didn't talk about their relationship with Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. It is all well and good to make self-improvements and to want to improve yourself and your health and all of those things. All of those things are really important. I myself am in a few days into a new healthy eating and exercise plan, which sucks, by the way. Uh, but if all we ever do is work on ourselves, then we're kind of missing the point, I think, right? And so that brings us to our topic for Truth and Grace tonight, uh, which is for the, the whole month of January. It's commitment and focus. And so as we discuss this tonight, I hope to begin introducing the lie, which is it's not that we need a New Year's resolution. It's that we need a New Year's revolution in our lives. And so before we begin tonight, uh, let's pray and let's ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together this evening. Father, we are thankful for um, a new year and new opportunities. And Lord, as we um, talk tonight, I pray that it's, um, it is an opportunity to glorify and honor and edify you and your name. Father, I pray that uh, the people under the sound of my voice are uh, blessed by the message that is presented. And I pray that it points them to you. For it is in the name of Jesus that I speak, and in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So I want to begin tonight by uh, reading a passage from the book of Romans. Uh, it's kind of our, our anchor passage for this evening. And it's Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. 
Romans 13, 11 through 14. If you have your Bible or your favorite Bible app, you can follow along, or of course it should be on the screen as well. Starting in verse 11, it says, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord this evening. So those are some pretty strong words from Paul in the book of Romans. And if you're new or newer to your Bible, I want to point out a couple of of things um, and put them into context and perspective from that passage. Uh, Paul references the word orgies in one of those verses. um, And that can certainly mean something sexual. But in Paul's day, that could have also referred to pagan worship. And in some translations of the Bible, uh, the word that's used there is debauchery. And in in the D Bible that a lot of us use, I think the word is um, carousing or or something to that nature. Basically, it's just referring to any immoral or inappropriate behavior. So that's what that means. Secondly, um, verse 14 talks about making no provision to the flesh. And there, Paul is referring to our sinful natures and our desires as humans. So, The point is, if we are in Christ and we are a new creation, if we have been saved by Jesus, then we are called to have Christ-like lives in all that we do and we say and we act and we think. Which brings me to my first point this evening, which is this. It's real lasting change is only found when we put our focus on God and not ourselves. Real lasting change is only found when we put our focus on God and not ourselves. Now, before any of you try to get like super spiritual on me and try to Jesus juke me and start talking about how you're planning on reading the Bible all the way through this year, or you're going to start a D group or get plugged into a small church, congratulations, by the way, those are all good things. But I want to point something out. If you're doing all of those things, which are not bad, but if you're doing all of those for the wrong reasons, you're really just doing it for yourself. You're doing it to lift yourself up, to talk about how great you are, or to make yourself look better. And as much as we all love ourselves, and as awesome as I think all of you are, if we only do things for the sole purpose of making ourselves look better, then we're kind of missing the whole point, right? Let's look at what Paul says to the church in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. 5, 16 through 21. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. 
So on Sunday morning, Roger talked about our game plan as a church for 2022 and, and some of the plans for Matthew's table and all the things that we're going to do for our neighborhood and our city. And I, it's, this is not an exhaustive list, but a, a few of the highlights that really jumped out to me is that we're going to continue making prayer a priority, and we want to blanket the streets of Owensboro with prayer. We're going to make a firm commitment to our show love families and truly show love to them. And we are going to do more to reach out and seek and save the lost. And what all of the things that Roger talked about had in common is that none of them were about us. They're all about other people. Verse 20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ. The mission statement of this church is that we are a church in the heart of the city with a heart for the city committed, committed to looking, living, and loving like heaven. And so therefore, none of what we do is to glorify ourselves or to make our name known or to put ourselves on a pedestal. We are not here to elevate a logo or a church doctrine or a particular style of worship. We exist not just as Matthew's table, but as Christians to honor and glorify him, not ourselves. And so with that in mind, as we're thinking about goals for the new year, what changes are we really hoping to see in 2022? While our personal changes like eating healthy and getting in better shape, they're all good things, and we should certainly always be looking to learn and grow and to become better. If we're really going to move forward, we need to ask ourselves, what kingdom changes are we hoping to see this year? But more importantly, whose kingdom are we trying to advance with those changes? God's kingdom or our own? And so are we praying for self-focused things? Are we praying for eternity-focused things? Are we praying for God to save the lost in our city? Are we praying for him to restore broken marriages and families? Are we asking him to bring people out of addiction or seeking to see people who deal with anxiety and depression delivered? Are we striving to see him give hope to the hopeless or forgiveness to the fallen this evening? You know, all throughout the New Testament, Paul tells us to think differently, to set our minds differently, and to, in his words, to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So what does that actually mean? It sounds great. So from a scientific perspective, this is interesting, different parts of the human body, they completely renew themselves with new cells and they replace the old ones. So our skin replaces its skin cells every two to three weeks. That's where all the dust in your house comes from. Our bone cells can renew about every 10 years, and there are even parts of our brain that can renew itself after brain cells have been lost or damaged. It's pretty cool. And just like our body plays an active role in renewing itself, we can have an active role in renewing our minds and our spirits and being transformed from the inside out. When we renew our minds to consider God and his presence in our daily lives, we come to know him better. We grow in our relationship with him, and we're transformed to be more like him. So many of us have heard this scripture many times before, but it's equally as important this evening. It's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be, what? Transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're called to present ourselves as a living 
sacrifice, a New Year's revolution. And so when we truly turn our lives and our situations over to God and we allow him to transform us, then we begin to focus on him instead of focusing on ourselves and on our situations. And then when that becomes the focus, when biblical priorities become our focus, then that's when we become focused on kingdom work, on his kingdom and not our kingdom. So this lie that we're uncovering tonight, that resolutions and change are all about us and our power, when we begin to understand the truth, that if we really want to see real, lasting, meaningful change in our life, that New Year's revolution, then our focus has to be on him. We are renewing our commitment and focus this evening. So I'm like what I consider skinny fat, okay? It's a weird transition, but just go with me. Skinny fat. So, like, I don't really consider myself to be, like, a bigger guy, but I'm not really skinny either. Like, if you saw me swimming at the pool with my shirt off, you'd be like, ooh. Like, right. The point is, you're welcome for that visual. The point is, I saw some of you shaking your heads and going, ooh. I'm offended. A couple of years ago, right before the pandemic started, um, I, it wasn't really a New Year's resolution. It was actually a few, years, or a few weeks after uh, the start of the year. Um, I decided that I was going to start working out and getting into better shape, and I went like hardcore. I was working out at least once a day, usually twice. I was running about a mile and a half a day. In about five months, I lost almost 40 pounds, and not only did I lose a lot of weight, but I actually started getting in pretty good shape, too. I had a lot of muscle definition in my arms, my legs. Like, I was this close. Like, you could almost see abs, and, but, like, honestly, the people ask me, like, why are you doing this? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I just want to get healthy and feel more confident. And, and honestly, I just wanted people to notice. Like, one day, Roger was like, oh, you've been working out. And I was like, let me tell you. And I went on this big line. He didn't care. That was my point. The problem in that was there was no real focus or intentionality behind that. It was all self-serving, right? It didn't, do, it didn't benefit me because clearly, here I am, got it all back, working on it again. I would like to say that it's so that I can be healthy and feel better, but honestly, it's all for attention again. But the problem is there, there's no intentionality behind that. There's no focus behind that. And if we truly want to renew our commitment and our focus, we have to be intentional about that. There has to be purpose behind that. So let's take a look back at that scripture that we read in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, and I'm looking at verses 16 and 17. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So why is that? Why are we supposed to look at ourselves as a new creation? And what does that have to do with replacing our focus? Verse 16 has an interesting word, therefore. And if you've been at Matthew's table for any length of time, you'll know that we have been taught that when the scripture says therefore, that means we need to go back and figure out why that's there for, right? So let's back up a couple of verses to verse 14. Verse 14 and 15 say, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And if he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him 
who for their sake died and was raised. That says the love of Christ controls us. Some translations say the love of Christ compels us. The love that Jesus has for us and the love that we have for others because of him causes us and calls us to be outwardly focused instead of inwardly focused. At the heart of Paul's message here to the church in Corinth was a call to remember that Jesus had died for all sinners and because everyone who is called upon and believed in the name of Jesus, they're now reconciled to him, or in other words, they have a right-standing relationship with him. They have all died to their sin, and they've been raised to walk in a new way of life. And if you are in Christ, you have been raised to walk in that new way of life, which is, again, to be focused on the eternal things, not on ourselves. And so it's really amazing, I think, how quickly things can change when we make the choice to shift our focus. And if you have been in that situation where you've been completely and reliant on Christ, I think you know what that means. You've been there and you've experienced it. Think back to the account of Jesus walking on the water and when he called Peter out uh, of the boat as well. If you are familiar with that account in Scripture, there was a, a big storm and everybody on the boat, the disciples of Jesus, were, were scared. And Jesus went out and walked on the water and Peter asked Jesus to, to call him out there too. And so it's amazing because one minute Peter is in the middle of a storm and he's terrified. And the next minute he's walking on the water with Jesus. I mean, it's like a complete 180 of what happens. And the difference that was made there is that somewhere in the midst of all of this crazy and hecticness and, and all the things that were happening, Peter shifted his focus from what was going on around him to being in the presence of his Savior. And then what happened when Peter looked back at the water? He began to sink because he, lo well, he lost his focus. Jesus should be our sole focus because that should be our New Year's revolution. If we refuse to change our approach and our focus and what we're doing, then the only real change that we're going to see is a year on the calendar. It's not really going to make a big difference, right? Sorry, I'm losing my voice. So all of that sounds well and good, but how do we actually shift our focus? <clears throat> We've got to do three things. We've got to look, we have to listen, and we have to learn. We have to look for Jesus. We have to be intentional about finding him in our circumstances. He is omnipotent and omnipresent. That means that he is everywhere and he is in all things. But it's real easy to overlook him when we've got crap going on in our own lives, right? But our faith tells us that he is always with us. And scripture teaches us that if we seek him, that we will find him. Secondly, we have to listen to Jesus. We have so much nonsense that takes up unnecessary space in our lives, right? There is judgment, and there is drama, and there is gossip. There is so much stuff. And friends, I'm here to tell you tonight that we need to stop spilling the tea, and we need to start worshiping the king, period. There is so much nonsense that goes on in the world, and all of that noise, all it seeks to do is just block the voice of Jesus out, so how do you know what Jesus is speaking to you? How do you know what he's saying to you? Conveniently, in many versions of this, what he says is in red. It's very easy to find. It's a great place to start. And then finally, we have to learn to be more like Jesus. Learning to be Christ-like means that we have to have vision, much like vision that Brandy sang about during worship this evening. 
which was not planned, by the way. But that vision is not what we want for our lives. It's what he wants for our lives. Learning it's not about us is a New Year's revolution. And I get it. Like, in a world of such darkness and division and hatred and anger, seeking God and shifting our focus to him can feel really daunting. There's so much bad stuff that's going on. It can be really disheartening and difficult to deal with. And that can seem like an impossible task. But again, when we learn how to focus on his strength instead of our own, that is when we learn how to seek him in the first place. John Piper has a really good quote, and you've heard it if you've been here at Matthew's Table before. Uh, We've used it several times, but I love it, and I think it's really applicable in this sense, especially when you're struggling and, and, and wondering how to seek God. It says, if you wake up feeling fragile today, remember that God is not, and then trust him to be everything that you need. If you wake up feeling fragile today, remember God is not, and then trust him to be everything you need. To place our focus on Jesus, we have to understand the identity that he gives us. So at the Gammon House, we have our dog Molly. She is a Shorky. That's a Shih Tzu Yorkie mix. We love this dog. And she loves everybody. If we were ever robbed, she would be the worst guard dog in the history of guard dogs. And if you aren't a dog person, she, I don't know how she knows, but she knows. And if you don't like dogs or don't care for dogs, she will make it her personal mission to get you to love her. She will aggravate you until you pet her and give her baby talk. It's, it's a whole thing. But out of everybody, she loves Blair the most. Like, a lot. And so, like, if you're hanging out with Molly and Blair comes home, you're done. Like, that is her person. And so, as much as we love Molly, she's also a a little sidekick when she knows how to behave. As much as we all love Molly, and as cute as she is, um, Homegirl has no concept of personal boundaries and personal space. Like, none. When I was writing this, she was on the back of my recliner with her head laying on my head. And so she slobbers and she sniffs and she likes to sneeze in your face. But worst of all, she licks. Like, she will lick your face. And if she can't get to your face, she will lick your hand. And if she can't get to your hand, she will find a way to lick you. And, like, I get it. It's her way of showing love. I know that she loves us. And it's very sweet. But I hate it. (laughs) Hate it. And she knows that I hate it. And she does it even more. (laughs) And if you tell her to stop, like, she acts like you have personally offended her great ancestors. (laughs) She looks at you with these eyes like you you were going to shoot her. And so if you really, if you're successful at getting her to stop, she'll do it for about 30 seconds. Um, But then as soon as you stop paying attention, she starts all over again. (laughs) It's very sweet. But only for about five seconds. But that is the impulse of a dog, especially a little lap dog. Like, if you don't want to be sniffed and sneezed on and licked and have your personal space invaded, then don't get a dog, right? A dog is an animal, and animals are driven by impulse. There is nothing logical going on in that little brain of hers, especially hers. She's got to be the dumbest dog on the face of the planet. (laughs) But this, it's the truth. It's the truth. (laughs) Right? But 
in her mind, everything she does, it's all impulse. If she is thirsty, she goes to her bowl and gets a drink of water. If she's hungry, she goes and gets food. If she has to go outside, she goes and stands by the door to let us know. It is Everything that she does is impulse. Birds are exactly the same. Nobody has to train the birds that try to build nests in my gutters every spring and then try to attack me in my own front yard like they pay rent for the place. <laughs> it's just in their nature, and they do it every year. They build nests, and they fly, and then they try to dive bomb me when I'm checking the mail. It's all impulse and instinct. People, however, are different. We do not live by impulse or instinct, or we shouldn't anyway. In fact, we have to be taught certain choices. We have instincts, but we also have logic and we have understanding that is built into us by our creator, and it makes us different. It makes us set apart. And as we learn and grow from kids to teenagers to adults, we gain more and more understanding, right? If we see a toddler running around this sanctuary, we're not going to think a whole lot of it. We're going to see their parent or grandparent or whomever snatch them up and take them back to their seat or wherever they're supposed to go because that child's being trained, right? I mean, that's what Scripture tells us. As parents and as guardians, we are to train up a child in the way they should go. But what if we saw a 40-year-old running around doing those things? Like, okay, Nick Martin, we don't talk about him, but any, any other one. We would probably think that's pretty weird, right? God created us differently from animals. And so the point of all of that is, is that God created us with a specific identity. In the book of Genesis, it says that he created us and that we were created very good. We were created for a purpose. Let's take a look at the eighth psalm. Psalms 8, verses 1 through 9. Verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, excuse me, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We were created to glorify him. That is our purpose. This psalm serves a couple of different meanings. One of them was the foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus. And the other was a reminder of who we are and praising God for how he created us. We weren't created to praise ourselves and to honor ourselves and to edify ourselves. We were created to praise and honor and glorify him. Another way that it's said is in, in the 139th Psalm, it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so then, if God is mindful of us and we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we exist to glorify and magnify and share the name of our Creator and Savior, why then do we lose sight of that when we create these New Year's resolutions that just make ourselves look better? We need a New Year's revolution a radically different way of living. <clears throat> so I was reading this article the other day, and it was talking about a wasted life, and it said this. I wanted to share this passage with you. 
It says, somebody once observed that a wasted life is really nothing more than a collection of wasted days. As God gives us life, each one of us starts the year with the same number of opportunities, 365, that we can choose to either use and invest in eternal things, or we can allow them to drift by without taking advantage of the gift that we have been given. The difference between those who succeed and those who fail is not found primarily in talent, but in diligence and in effort. That last line really sticks out to me. The difference between those who succeed and those who fail is not found primarily in talent, but rather in diligence and in effort. So how will you use those gifts that you have been given to start a new year's revolution? All of those things are well and good, our, our opportunities to grow and to change, to lose weight or eat healthy or get in your Bible more or spend more time in prayer. All of those things are good, but if you are doing them to honor and glorify and edify yourself, then we're losing the whole point. If we change our focus to, to God, it goes from new year, new me, to because of Jesus, new me, right? And then when we do that, when we become our new selves because of who Christ has made us, then we have the opportunity to go out and share his name even more, to honor and glorify him so that we can bring more people to him. And then they can do that. And then it goes on and on and on. And friends, I can promise you that is far more powerful than any diet plan or hobby or empty commitment that you can make because it's a focus on Jesus and his kingdom. Amen. So as we always do, we'll have someone come up in just a moment to share their testimony. Uh, well, she just walked out, so I hope she comes back quickly. Okay. Uh, but before we do that, we'll pray and, and Sherry will come up. But before we do that, I would be shirking my responsibility if I didn't say this. If you are here tonight and you do not know this Jesus that I'm talking about, if you do not know what it means to be a new creation, if you have done the same thing over and over and over again, hoping for different results, but getting the same thing year after year after year, what a better New Year's resolution than to come to know Jesus and to begin living for Him, right? And so I'm going to pray for us. Sherry will come up in just a moment, and she'll share her testimony. But after that's over and people begin to leave, I want you to know that this altar is open, and there are people who would love to pray with you and for you, for you to experience that saving knowledge of Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for um, the new year and new opportunities that brings. But Lord, more importantly, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to glorify and magnify your name and to be able to share you with a dark and broken world. Lord, we pray for more opportunities to honor your name to tell other people about you so they may come to that saving knowledge of you. And Lord, we pray that you use us in ways that you see fit to bring us closer to you. Lord, if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, Father, we pray that you uh, begin to work in their heart and to, uh, to stir up that desire in their heart to come to that saving knowledge of you. 
And Lord, I pray that you bless our church body and our church family as we seek more ways to bring this city to knowing you. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. I try to get out of this tonight. <laughs> and it took me about 30 minutes back and forth with uh, Zach messaging, then a call to Jonna. Sorry. That I was supposed to get out of my way. <laughs> get out of God's way. I'm the youngest of three kids and the only girl. As long as I can remember, I was the rebellious child. At age 14, I started smoking pot, drinking, was pregnant at age 16, had my son Joe, was, got married, you know, just a few months after we found out I was pregnant with Joe. Later, we would... So we were, uh, we did good while I was pregnant with him, and then, uh, you know, the partying started. And we was weekend warriors, as we called it. Only partying on the weekends. So my husband began to drink more and more and became a full-blown alcoholic. I had Lacey at age 21, and we completely stopped partying for about a year. And then the partying started back. And not long after that, that's when I was introduced to meth. Over the 10 years of our marriage, he repeatedly slipped around, so I decided to do the same. But unlike him, I couldn't stay married and do that. So I left him for a man that was 13 years older than me. I lived a life of sex, drugs, and alcohol, and that's when I was introduced to the needle. 
That's when my uh, life just started crumbling. After three years of this, I began to realize that all we had was a sick kind of love. So I left that relationship and got right into another one. And that's when I married my second husband. For the next seven years, the partying continued. And by this time, the drugs weren't partying anymore. It was my everyday life. Putting my kids through a life of hell. When I got married to my second husband, I moved to Ohio County. I left Joe here with my parents. And I drug Lacey around along with me. We were running from road to road, from county to county. Uh, being in the car for days and days at a time, or drug house to drug house at a time. She had been in five different schools in one year. And at this time, Joe was still here with my parents. So, while we were uh, running crazy like this, we did have one drug house. I don't like to call it that, but it, that's what it was that we stayed at the most. And um, he was a dear friend. And uh, one night he was shot and killed right there with a house full of people, a house full of kids. We was deep in the county, so it was a long wait for help to arrive while we had to just sit there and watch him die. So my husband ended up in the mental hospital at Western State. I came back to Lindsboro to be with my kids, both of them. I got sober for about a year and then the madness was back. Even though I was off the needle, we was still using, resulting in another divorce. When Joe graduated, he moved back in with me and Lacey and things were working out for us. So I thought, but really that was far from the truth. I was partying and dealing drugs with both of my kids and their friends. And then I thought I met the man of my dreams. Not long into that relationship, I found out what it was like to be physically abused by a man that you love. Two years of going back over and over, believing it would stop, I finally decided to end it. But one last time, I went back to end things peacefully with him. And uh, when I walked through the door, he, he locked the door behind me that night. And for 11 hours, I was locked in, being beaten, and having to sleep with him to save my life. He finally passed out at 7 a.m. and I got away. When my kids got home, from school and work that afternoon and seeing what I looked like, things got real. So Joe went off to find him and without giving details, let's just say I didn't press charges on him in exchange for him and his family not pressing charges on Joe for attempted murder. So that was some more of what I put my kids through. Shortly after this, both kids was married and gone, so 
After eight years of being off the needle, I was back on it full force. Weighing in at 92 pounds, I ended up in DCDC on a lot of charges. That's when God came crashing into my heart and radically changed me. You see, I was the prodigal child and realized that sitting there in the jail cell in a church service. No matter what I'd done and what I'd put my parents and kids through, they was there with open arms while I was sitting there in the jail. The fourth night in there, I went to church with some other ladies and the message that night was on the prodigal son. You can find that in Luke 15. That's when I cried out to God to help me and promised him if he would help me, I would live my life for him. Isaiah 41, 10 says, Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And that's exactly what he did for me. On the eighth day, I was released to my parents on... Um, I had to move back to my parents' house. I had drug counseling, among many other conditions. And after eight months, I finally got cleared from those charges. After that, I had never looked back ever again. I stayed on the path that leads to Christ and being his good and faithful servant. Romans 6, 15 through 18. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you've become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can, be, you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you are wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. So um, just a result of that, I'm going to add in here, like um, I fought when I, I had been going to the same church for 10 years, and um, I felt the calling here, and I knew that that was probably the first time I ever really felt like I heard God talking to me, and I fought it for like 24 hours, and then somebody called me out on it, said God's telling you to do something. That was, and so I had to tell it out loud. <laughs> and so at that point in time, little did I know, when I came to Matthew's table, Joe and Angel came, and my, my daughter Lacey and her husband, who had not been in church at all, are both there? All of us are here together for the last, you know. So at that time, God had put it on my heart to reach out to ladies that had been through or was going through what I had lived in the past. So in 2014, I started God's Girls Ministry, opening up my home to ladies struggling and newly saved. At the same time, I started discipling the women at Friends of Sinners which 
uh, I had no clue that I was going to grow from that probably more than the women that I was discipling. And so um, when I started uh, the Bible study, I had been praying to God for my own home for many years after I got saved and uh, promised him I would do a Bible study and uh, God finally gave me my own home. And I went a whole year and not still was not obedient to that. And um, I um, just decided I was talking to a few women and they were they said, oh, we'll come. So there was three of us, uh, four of us that met every week. I had no clue how to teach a Bible study or what I was even doing and told them that, but we all quickly uh, learned together. And uh, so I quickly seen that one, my one yes was becoming a domino effect as I watched these, uh, these three ladies grow. They started discipling people, other women, and inviting others to the group. And we went from four to now having sometimes up to 20 women at God's Girls. And so... Um, I quickly realized this afternoon as I was uh, just going back over Zach's message to me today that um, what you were trying to tell me or whatever, it was my life story. So then I knew that, um, yeah, you're not supposed to do anything but give this testimony and just letting you guys know that just get out of God's way. I was told that Sunday I came to the altar and prayed about some things and somebody was standing there waiting for me to get up from the altar, and their message was, God said, get out of his way. So y'all just keep focusing on him, and um, not yourself, but on your relationship with Christ, and um, discipling to other people, and uh, helping other people along the way. pray for us real quick and then we'll get out of here before snowmageddon happens father we love you we thank you for the opportunity that we've had tonight here lord we thank you for the opportunity to just sit and worship at your feet father we pray for uh, your blessing for each person and family represented here we pray that you will embolden them to go out and share your name in a lost and broken world we love you lord and we pray all of these things in your name amen Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.